Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. The season opener is here uh, for the Vikings, Jim, coming up on Sunday. And then they flip right around in four days later and play one of the best teams in the NFL in the Philadelphia Eagles. Do teams, uh, have the Vikings been looking at that as almost a package of games, maybe where they've even been thinking about Philadelphia, you know, before the last few days, of course, they have to focus on the game in front of them. But do you suppose they did some preparation for the Eagles prior to that? What I've been told is that from the time that they, I mean, one thing we found out about last year was they, I mean, they really went hard on the Packers. They thought that that opener was really big key for getting their program off to a good start, for Mm -hmm. winning a key divisional game. They spent, pretty much all summer game planning for that Packer game. And they understood that, and they spent some time, uh, you know, uh, working on that second game in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. This year they're kind of taking the same approach. Uh, I think that they have been working out, I think they worked on both game plans a little bit throughout the summer. My information is that last week uh, they worked pretty much exclusively on the, the Eagles, mm-hmm. and that this week they tried to have a normal uh, week in of game preparation, which means coaches game planning early in the week, starting on field uh, preparations Wednesday, Thursday, Friday with a walk through Wednesday, Thursday, Friday with a walk through on Saturday. So, mm-hmm. I think they treated the Buccaneer week like a normal week, and I think they spent last week trying to get ahead on the Eagles game plan. To me, because of that game, just such you know such a short time after, uh, it, it puts more importance on the game against the Bucks at home on Sunday. Uh, it would be awful to start out zero and two, and that's going to be a really tough game in Philly uh, on Thursday. So, uh, like you said, they, they emphasized the season opener last year, and at the same time, they almost need to do that again this year. Yes, that's exactly right. It's, um, there's nothing wrong with them coming out of this two-game stretch. The one-on-one record with yep. a, a loss against maybe the best team in football on the road on a short week, travel week. Uh, that does put more importance on the Bucks game. They really can't afford to lose the Bucks game. Um, and the Lions, who might be their main competition in the division, are a game ahead of expectations as they won on the road at Kansas City. So, you know, you don't want to overstate it. A lot of things can happen during the course of a season. There's a long, soft stretch in the middle of the schedule where the Vikings might be able to win five or six games in a row. Mm-hmm. But optimally, they beat Tampa, and then they can survive a loss at Philadelphia. Alex Madison is RB1 for the Vikings this year. Was it apparent when he signed his contract that the Vikings weren't going to bring back Dalvin Cook? I never thought they were going to bring Dalvin Cook back. Mm. Uh, I just never thought that was in the cards. His age, uh, the money, the fact this is a pass-first offense, the fact that, you know, and and listen, I don't want to downplay what he did last year. He made big plays that won games. But outside of the four or five massive plays that he made, he was not very productive on an every-down basis. They were in second and ten a lot. Uh, They're willing to make the trade-off from being second and ten a lot and occasionally having Dalvin Cook make a big play uh, they're very willing to go second six, second six, second five more often and understand that maybe you don't get the 50-yard game here and there. Uh, Justin Jefferson, uh, no word on his contract extension yet that you know of? No, and it's interesting because, you know, I could see the Vikings wanting to get the Hawkinson deal done first because I think, it, you know, as big a deal as it is, I think the way it's structured actually saves them some salary cap money this year. Okay. Uh, now you have the Burrow and Bosa deals uh, going out. So, I mean, I really expected it to be done before Sunday, all all throughout the summer. Uh, 
you know, I guess there's no crisis if it gets done a week or two later. Maybe they maybe they get it done the weekend after the Philly game, or they have a nice ten day game stretch where they can spend time, you know, time promoting that instead of games. I don't really know. They could, you know, uh, we're recording this right now, and and they could get it done a minute after off. We don't, we don't know. I I still don't hear any concern from either party. Uh, I talked to Jefferson recently, and he just had no just. He's just in a good frame of mind. He didn't hold out. He didn't hold in. He hasn't squeaked at all about any of this. So I just think it's going to get done. I just don't know what the timing's going to be. Yeah, you referenced uh, Joey Bosa and and uh, Joe Burrow. I didn't hear Bosa's contract terms, but Burrow was two hundred seventy-five million, like two twenty guaranteed, a massive deal. Uh, it, it is maybe more in line with what Bosa received because he's what now the highest-paid non-quarterback in the league. That's right, and uh, you know Jefferson wants. He wants a big deal, and his agents uh, think they can get one. And the Vikings know that they have to keep him and want to keep him. Uh, you know, getting getting the actual structure down can be difficult. Mm-hmm. No doubt about that. And and Jefferson is the kind of guy too. It's it's not just about the talented production on the field. But he seems to be a guy who's engaged off of the field with the community. He seems very uh, coachable, uh, you know, and at the same time is driven to be the best uh, that the game has seen at his position. Yep, and I wrote about my column that mm-hmm. appeared, I think, in the Friday paper, uh, came out yep. earlier on- online. And, I, you know, because I was, at a, I was at one of the Titans practices. I'm standing on the sideline, and it was a long, hot practice. It was one of those days, it was like 90, 95 degrees, high humidity, middle of the day. Against another opponent, so there's real competition going on. Everybody's just gassed. Everybody's mm-hmm. drained. And he comes off the field and he stopped to sign a bunch of autographs to a bunch of school kids. Then he, you know, then he kind of went next. Hey, do you want me to teach you the gritty? Nobody asked him to do that, so he did the dance up and down the line and taught some kids how to do it. And he's walking off the field and again, still 95 degrees out. And a team employee stops him to sign autographs for some of his friends. It's like he just does everything with a smile and. If that position in this franchise, that doesn't always happen. Chris Carter could be very difficult. Uh, Randy Moss was intentionally difficult. Hmm. Stephon Diggs forced his way, forced a trade. Um, you know, there are that's an ego position, and it's really interesting to see, see the best receiver in the game just kind of act like a normal guy most of the time. Yeah, in your column, he referenced, "I want kids to have a positive experience when they see me because I tried to." wanted that as a kid and and he wants them to glow when they walk away from him not go oh gosh he won't sign anything for us yeah and, and listen I'm, I'm not the biggest pro autograph person because right. i've seen the ugly side i've seen the guys who you know stalk athletes and try to get you know money and try to get autographs so they can sell it on ebay and yeah. i've seen people be really rude to athletes and just assume that it's the athlete's responsibility to sign autographs it's not they don't have to they just don't have to yeah uh but when someone handles it the way Justin Jefferson does, it does does make you feel better about the sports world. Yeah, it certainly does. And, and we want to feel better about that because there are some bad actors, uh, certainly, in the sports world. Uh, let's talk uh, basketball a little bit. So Team USA loses to Germany earlier today in the semifinals at the FIBA World Cup uh, with uh, Anthony Edwards uh, on that squad. Does this matter, really, the FIBA World Cup, or is it really internationally only about the Olympics? It's really about the Olympics. Yeah. Listen, they wanted to win. And listen, they, they put they played really hard. Yeah. Um, and but this is their B squad, yeah. and going up against the world's best and against teams that play together a lot. And frankly, roster construction is what got them. Uh, yeah. Edwards had a brilliant, brilliant uh, World Cup 
run. He was outstanding. He scored 23 in the game they lost to, to Germany. Uh, he had games where he just distributed. He had games where he dominated scoring. He played defense. This team was not good enough defensively, and this team had just could not keep people off the offensive boards. They really only had you know, Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson was really their only functional big man. Walker Kessler didn't do much. Wow. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people love to compare him to, to, um, to Gobert, but Gobert, you know, I'm sorry, he's not there yet. Wow. Uh, Gobert has a much better resume internationally and in the NBA. There's much more of a force at this point in his career, whether anybody wants to admit it or not. Right. They just didn't have enough big men uh, playing well, and they got killed on the offensive boards, and they got killed on inside baskets. And I don't really blame any of the individuals on this team or the coaching staff. I just think that they couldn't get guys like Anthony. To, you know, centers tend to conserve their energy and aren't going to go play in this thing. And so they didn't have Anthony Davis or somebody like that there in the middle. Yeah. Uh, the Twins uh, in action again against the Mets this weekend. Uh, is it the Mets or the Padres? Who was the bigger bust in baseball this year? Great question. Um, I would say that the Padres are even more disappointing because they just have they have tremendous talent, tremendous star power. They've been spending a ridiculous amount of money for uh, two or three years now. And other than one upset of the Dodgers in the playoffs, they really don't have much to show for it. Mm-hmm. So I think they're the bigger disappointment. The Mets, hey, not far behind. Uh, they're spending a massive amount of money. They had Verlander and Scherzer, and they, and they have Lindor, and they still can't, and they have Alonzo. They still can't win. Um, it's a pretty good race between which is the most more disappointing team, really. Yeah, and Kodai Senga, a Japanese import, yeah. who was a big signing in the off season. I'm kind of looking forward to uh, to watching him pitch a, a little bit tonight against the Twins. Jim, thanks so much. Great, thanks, Todd. Live at five, sports with Todd and Suhan, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.